54. Let me, I'm going to be switching my camera. So, this is 1855, for those who are following in the book. Bhakti Mama Vidananti Yavanyas Chesmi Tasmat Tatvataha Tato Mam Tatvato Gyatva Vishate Tad Anantaram. One can understand me as the Supreme Personality of Godhead only by devotional service, and when one is in full consciousness of me by such devotion, he can enter into the kingdom of God. Suprabhat's purport. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, Krishna, and his plenary portions cannot be understood by mental speculation or by the non-devotees. If anyone wants to understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead, he has to take the pure devotional service under the guidance of a pure devotee. Otherwise, the truth of the Supreme Personality of Godhead will always be hidden. As already stated in the Bhagavad Gita 7.25, Naham Prakasha Sarvasha. He is not revealed to everyone. No one can understand God by erudite scholarship or mental speculation. Only one who is actually engaged in Krishna consciousness and devotional service can understand what Krishna is. University degrees are not helpful. One who is fully conversant with the Krishna science becomes eligible to enter into the spiritual kingdom, the abode of Krishna. Becoming Brahman does not mean that one loses his identity. Devotional service is there, and as long as devotional service exists, there must be God, the devotee, and the process of devotional service. Such knowledge is never vanquished, even after liberation. Liberation involves getting free from the concept of material life. In spiritual life, the same distinction is there, the same individuality is there, but in pure Krishna consciousness. One should not mistakenly think that the word vishite enters into me, supports the monist theory that one becomes a mode homogeneous, homogeneous with the impersonal Brahman. No, Vishite means that one can enter into the abode of the Supreme Lord in one's individuality to engage in his association and render service unto him. For instance, a green bird enters a green tree not to become one with the tree, but to enjoy the fruits of the tree. Impersonalists generally give the example of a river flowing into the ocean and merging. This may be the source of happiness for the impersonalist, but the personalist keeps his personal individuality like an aquatic in the ocean. We find so many living entities within the ocean. If we go deep, service acquaintance with the ocean is not sufficient. One must have complete knowledge of the aquatics living in the ocean depths. Because of his pure devotional service, a devotee can understand the transcendental qualities and the opulences of the Supreme Lord in truth. As stated in the 11th chapter, 
only by devotional service can one understand. The same is confirmed here. One can understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead by devotional service and enter into his kingdom. After attainment of the Brahma Bhuta, 4, 30, 20, stage of freedom from material conceptions, devotional service begins by once hearing about the Lord. When one hears about the Supreme Lord, automatically the Brahma state, Brahma Bhuta stage develops. The material contamination, greediness, and lust for sense enjoyment disappears. As lust and desires disappear from the heart of a devotee, he becomes attached to the service of the Lord. And by such attachment, he becomes free from material contamination. In that state of life, he can understand the Supreme Lord. This is the statement about Srimad Bhagavatam also. After liberation, the process of bhakti or transcendental service continues. Vedanta Sutra 4.1.12 confirms this. A prayatnat tatrapi hidar drishtam. This means that after liberation, the process of devotional service continues. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, real devotional liberation is defined as the reinstatement of the living entity in his own identity, his own constitutional position. The constitutional position is already explained. Every living entity is a part and parcel, fragmental portion of the Supreme Lord. Therefore, his constitutional position is to serve. After liberation, this service is never stopped. Actual liberation is getting free from misconceptions of life. So again, bhaktyamam abhijananti yavanyas jasmi tattvataha tatomam tattvatopagyatva vishite tat anantaram. One can understand me as the Supreme Personality of Godhead only by devotional service. And when one is in full consciousness of me by such devotion, he can enter into the kingdom of God. Namam Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasthaya Bhutai Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Namane Namaste Sarasvatundeve Gauravani Prasharane Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Paskatyade Sitarana. So, welcome again, everyone. <clears throat> so, in this verse, Krishna says that we can understand him by devotional service. Devotional service is a translation of Shilabhakti, uh, the Chaitanya Charitamrita's verse, Krishna Bhakti Rasa Bhavita Mati, Krishna Rasa, Krishna, ba, uh, Krishna Bhakti Rasa Bhavita Mati. So Krishna Bhakti is defined as being absorbed in a certain type of consciousness, that is loving consciousness. Robert sometimes he explains that consciousness as being serving Krishna with love, with care and attention. In other words, love has different degrees of intensity. It is not that necessarily we may be feeling ecstasy all the time. That's quite rare for anyone to feel ecstasy all the time. 
in the nectar of devotion, uh, the stage of bhava bhakti, one is always feeling ecstasy. And therefore, bhava bhakti minimizes the value of liberation and puts one into transcendental pleasure. But we don't start out on the platform of transcendental pleasure. We start out as conditioned souls. So as conditioned souls, Krishna is giving us an opportunity to simultaneously become liberated from our material conception of life and at the same time work on the spiritual platform. Both have to go on simultaneously. Working on the spiritual platform is done by chanting Hare Krishna, especially in this age. And one reaches the experience of that Krishna and his name are non-different and that we're personally associating with Shumati Radharani and Krishna, when we're chanting Hare Krishna, if one can chant Hare Krishna offenselessly. But in order to chant Hare Krishna offenselessly, we have to become purified. So part of that purification is to understand things properly. The Varna and Ashram system is a gradual process of accepting that Krishna is the proprietor of everything. That's done in the first two stages where one gives up sinful activity. Especially in this age, sinful activity is characterized by illicit sex, intoxication, gambling, and meat eating, which, is, which are quite prevalent. And therefore, Bhakti Murata Chorus said, Kalo Shudra Sambhava. Then this age of Kali, everyone is born as a Shudra. And by modern education, everyone becomes less than an animal. In other words, even a Shudra can come to the highest platform if he takes to the process of devotional service. Unfortunately, people are misdirected that instead of regulating their senses according to the laws of nature or according to the Vedas, that the Vanan Ashram system is a system of sacrifice for Vishnu. It is not simply rules and regulations that one follows according to one's psychophysical nature. One may have a certain psychophysical nature, but that psychophysical nature is part of the Daivi Vanashram system if one is utilizing that nature in service to Vishnu. In the Vedic society, there were sacrifices. The king would arrange his sacrifice and have qualified Brahmins who would chant Vedic mantras and were so trained and their mantras were so powerful that they could even create things just by speaking. Even those who were not Brahmins like Arjuna was a Kshatriya and other Kshatriyas, but they were so powerful in their chanting that they could create weapons. They could actually manifest mountains by chanting certain astras, they could manifest wind, 
they can storms, they could manifest millions of arrows just by chanting some mantra or even a brahmastra. When Ashvatthama was fleeing from Arjuna after Ashvatthama had killed Arjuna's and the other Pandava's sons when they were sleeping, Ashvatthama out of fear released his brahmastra weapon. Brahmastra is supposed to be so powerful that even the universe could be destroyed by that one weapon. Now he didn't have some missile. All he had was mantras. And by knowing how to chant that mantra, he could, was so powerful, he could even destroy the universe. Luckily, Arjuna was also capable of creating a Brahmastra and under Krishna's directions, he counteracted Ashvatthama's astra by creating his own astra. And the two Brahmastras counteracted each other and the universe was saved. So even, even the Kshatriyas were so powerful that they could create amazing weapons and amazing things. We find Kardamamuni was able to create an airplane that could fly around the whole universe. And the airplane was like a little city. Such was the power of persons who knew how to chant mantras and had those cities or the powers. Nowadays, we can, we call a cat, hey kitty, hey kitty. We chant the mantra and even the cat doesn't come. So we can't consider ourselves to be on the same level as even Ashvatthama or others. Now, the purpose of the sacrifice was that Brahmins could actually chant the Vedic mantras in a way that would actually create something, produce something. And the Shudras would assist, the Vaishas would provide the ingredients for the sacrifice, such as ghee and jewels and other necessities for the sacrifice. The Kshatriyas would provide through the taxes that they received, they would arrange for the sacrifice and provide the gold or the jewels or the ghee or whatever is necessary for the sacrifice. And the Brahmins would chant the Vedic hymns. When the sacrifice was perfect, then Vishnu, who was the object of the sacrifice, Om, would be satisfied and Krishna would provide through the demigods all the necessities. And in the process of learning how to chant the Vedic mantras and learning how to serve the sacrifice, one would gradually become purified by service to the sacrifice, by ultimately service to Vishnu. Now, in this age, it's not possible to perform such sacrifices. Although sometimes we have little sacrifices, like for initiation, or for other types of ceremonies. But Prabhupada said that these are just for show. I can assure you that no demigod is coming because of our little fire sacrifice. They're not that hungry. Nor if we sacrifice one horse or one cow before the sacrifice, uh, we wouldn't be able to bring it back to life. Not only that, but our Brahmins cannot even light the fire by mantra, what to speak of anything else. 
if you can't light the fire by mantra, it's unlikely you're going to achieve very much through the, merely by chanting the mantras. Still, there are gradual process because of elevation, but that gradual process is utilizing our abilities in the Sankirtan movement. In the Srimad Bhagavatam, Srila Prabhupada writes that just like if one has some disease, such as jaundice, then the result is that one cannot take milk products, generally in India especially. By taking too many milk products, one gets jaundice, especially in certain types of times of the year. But the cure for jaundice is according to Ayurveda, another kind of milk product, specially prepared with some special medicines. Similarly, we're entangled in the material world due to our material desires, which manifest themselves as working in order to gain the necessities or the, the paraphernalia for our sense gratification. Now, that same work when utilized in Krishna's service becomes the source of our enlightenment. Because if we accept this energy as belonging to Krishna and utilizing it, as Prabhupada writes in the purport, under the guidance of not only Shastra, but also Krishna's representatives, then the result is that we become liberated from the material concept of life. Anyone who works in the material world accepting Krishna as the proprietor and accepting Krishna as the enjoyer, then one will become liberated from the material concept of life. When one doesn't accept Krishna as a proprietor, then naturally we believe that we're the proprietor, even of something, however small it might be. And one accepts Krishna as the, as the enjoyer, by working under the guidance of Krishna and his representatives, Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra, then we, we give up this tendency to want to exploit the material nature. Exploiting means uh, following the dictation of our senses. There is the urge to eat, the urge, the, the mind has desires, anger wants to be fulfilled, the tongue, the belly, and the genitals. These are all urges that are pushing us. But when one work utilizes these same senses under the guidance of Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra, then naturally one will think about Krishna and not become subjected to the reactions for one's activities. Especially if one has the mood of wanting to do something to please Krishna. So pleasing Krishna means to accept Krishna's position as a proprietor, as the enjoyer, and work under his direction through Guru, Sadhu, and Shastra. And then when we try to please him, when we have the mood of doing it with care and attention, not only doing it formally or simply out of duty, but doing it with some care and attention, some enthusiasm, some consistency, 
then Krishna becomes pleased with us and within our memory, he reminds us, he reveals himself. So even the smallest activity done as a matter of devotion will actually advance one in Krishna consciousness. As Prabhupada writes in the, he wrote me a letter in 1969. This is the beginning of 1969. My dear Prahlada please accept my blessings. I beg to acknowledge receipt of your letter of March the 5th. Let me switch here. Hmm. Along with your check for $30 for my book fund. I thank you very much for your contribution, for this contribution of love. I'm just trying to disseminate this message to my spiritual master. And if there's any credit for the service, everything goes to him. This message of Krishna consciousness is coming down from Krishna himself. And we're all servants of the Supreme Lord working under the consecutive disciple succession. Please try to understand our philosophy through various books that I've already published. And sometimes after you will have to carry out this order of the civil succession. I'm very glad to inform you that I'm keeping quite well here in the atmosphere in Hawaii. The atmosphere here in Hawaii is quite suitable for my health. I'm staying on the sea beach side and the place is also very congenial. I hope this meets you in good health and happily executing Krishna consciousness. So in other words, even by my sending a small contribution of $30 to Prabhupada, he took that as a contribution of love. Similarly, from our point of view, we ourselves may be doing something which is insignificant, or others we may see as doing things that are insignificant, but that's not necessarily Krishna or Acharya's point of view or Prabhupada's point of view. That Krishna deeply appreciates, Shamatarani deeply appreciates any service that we might render with some sincerity. It doesn't matter how difficult the situation might be, but if we show some sincerity, then Krishna will reciprocate accordingly. Uh, we should not think that when we're put into difficulty, this is a sign of Krishna's displeasure. We should understand it's an opportunity for us to make spiritual advancement by, in spite of the difficulty, working for Krishna's pleasure under the guidance of his representatives. So in the material world, everyone is speculating about what the purpose of life is and how to achieve it. And most people have the conception that we are a body, that there's no difference between the soul and the body. And in such a conception of life, one is always fearful because the idea of having to leave this body and disappearing is quite a fearful conception of life. 
Now, in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, it says that this conce material conception of life is produced by our aversion to serving Krishna. In other words, Krishna has a police force. That police force is called Maya. And Maya is the best police force. She's better than any NSA or any spy agency. Maya, she's in our heart. She knows what we're going to do even before we do it. And she records everything. She has a supercomputer. His name is Krishna. And Krishna remembers everything we're doing. Krishna is super Santa Claus. He knows if we're good or bad. So we should be good for Krishna's sake. So Krishna, he knows everything that we're doing and he's recording it. He knows what we're desiring and he knows what we deserve. And he arranges through his material nature to fulfill our desires according to what we deserve. But any material desire, however elevated it might be, brings us into another material body, whether it be the body of an insect or the body of Lord Brahma. Now the soul is not an insect, nor is the soul Lord Brahma. The soul, we're always the same. Certainly there's advantages of being Lord Brahma over being an insect. But Srila Kora said, I'd rather be an insect in the house of a devotee than to be a Brahma who is a non-devotee. Devotional service is so important, is so significant, is so helpful for the soul that Srila Kora is praying I'd rather be an insect in the house of devotee, because at least then I can get some prasadam. Then to be in an exalted position such as Lord Brahma. So, we have five powerful processes, which I mentioned, because Srila Rupa Goswami stresses them in the nectar of devotion. And these are all processes of devotional service not only devotional service, but they directly bring us in contact with Krishna. But while we're executing these five powerful processes, especially the chanting of the holy names in this age, a little attentiveness to the holy name, a little bit of feeling when we're chanting, at least trying to chant sincerely, can bring us immediately to the spiritual platform. Therefore, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Ma Suchaha. At the end of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna tells us, give up our anxiety. I know we're all very much attached to our anxiety. We have plenty of things to worry about. Matter of fact, that's all we do all day is worry about things that we have nothing to, we can't even do anything about, but we just worry. We worry for the sake of worrying. As a matter of fact, if we weren't worrying, we'd get very disturbed. What happened to my worrying? I remember one time 
Prabhupada, when I was, as I mentioned before, when I was in Boston in 1969 and Prabhupada came to give a lecture, I remember Prabhupada walking up the stairs because at that time the Boston Temple was, had, was a two-story building, the only temple in our movement which had two stories. Well, I mean, two big stories. So, and so Prabhupada walked up the steps to give the lecture and the devotees were chanting. And when Prabhupada appeared, then the whole atmosphere became like we were in Vaikuntha, literally. And then I was trying to remember, I know I was in anxiety, but there was so much spiritual happiness in that atmosphere, I couldn't even remember what I was worrying about. Prabhupada was there for around 40 minutes, gave a lecture, and then we sang our Kiba Jaya, the Arctic song, the songs to welcoming Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then afterwards, Prabhupada went down to see at that time, the ISKCON Press, which had just been established in Boston. And then when Prabhupada left, then immediately I remember what all my anxieties were. So we don't have to worry about when we're chanting that we'll forget our anxieties, don't worry. But if we just chant sincerely, happily, then after we're done, we can deal with all our anxieties again. But at least we should set them aside when we're chanting or when we hear, we're reading Shamad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita. In other words, paying attention is all that we have to do. Just pay some attention. We don't have to become talented in a particular type of activity. We don't have to be super strong or super smart or have a great memory. We just have to pay attention. And then when we pay attention, then we should learn that we should also be very careful and do our services very nicely to please Krishna. So in this age, we have to do some service while we're chanting Hare Krishna, when we're hearing Shrimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita, when we're worshiping the deities, when we're trying to make our atmosphere spiritual, and when we're serving the devotees. These are very important powerful processes by which if we do them carefully with love and attention, we can come to the, immediately to the stage of ecstasy. Because these will help us remember Krishna in a very loving, intense way. Now, while we're doing this, we also, because most of us, we can't spend the whole day chanting Hare Krishna nor can we spend the whole day simply hearing Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhagavad Gita. But while we're doing our service, our work, we can do it according to our psychophysical nature, but we can also utilize our talents, our abilities, our inspiration, our experiences in Krishna's service. Namely, if we have some inclination to like to hear and read about Krishna, and explain about Krishna, we can go and tell others about Krishna. It doesn't have to be a big crowd of hundreds of devotees. It can just be our cat or our dog. Shulabhak, uh, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was lamenting that how will all these non-devotees 
be delivered? Not only non-devotees, but how will the trees and the creepers and the non-living entities be delivered? He was talking to Srila Haridas Sakor, who said, my dear Lord, do not worry just by the loud chanting of the holy name that all living entities will become delivered. That what you're hearing, the echo coming from the trees and the non-living entities is actually their chanting in response to, your, to the holy name. So if we have some ability to tell others about Krishna, and all of us we do, Shubhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Prabhupada said, if there is no one else to talk to, then preach to the four walls, because I don't know if the, the four walls could hear, but at least we'll hear ourselves preaching. As a matter of fact, most of the time when someone's giving a lecture, they're talking to themselves more than they're talking to their audience. If we have that ability, we should utilize it whenever we get the opportunity. This is Chaitanya Mahara's instruction to us. Yari Deka Tarika Krishna Budesh. That whoever we meet, just say something about Krishna. When Dhruva Maharaj, even after he reached perfection, when the Vaikuntha airplane came to take him back, well, take him to Dhruva Loka, and the Vishnu Dudas were on the airplane, Dhruvamara couldn't figure out what prayer to offer to the Vishnu Dudas. But then he remembered the Hare Krishna mantra and he simply chanted Hare Krishna. So that's all we have to do is chant Hare Krishna. We can't figure out what else to say to someone, at least say Hare Krishna, and that will be perfect. As a matter of fact, even when Shamati Rarani and Krishna when they're in their highest ecstasy in order to express their love for others, then they chant the Hare Krishna mantra. So this Hare Krishna mantra, we should not think is for some neophyte devotees. It's actually the highest expression of love for Radha and Krishna and for everyone else. If we simply chant Hare Krishna, then we'll be perfect in our service to Radha and Krishna. As I mentioned before, when little Saraswati, she was five years old, the daughter of Shama Sundar and Malati, she used to preach to people. When someone would come up to her and challenge her, Saraswati, why are you chanting Hare Krishna? Why are you chanting Hare Krishna? In a challenging way. So little Saraswati took her hand and slapped him across the face. So Prabhupada said, this is nishta, fixed in the holy name. So even a little girl five years old can actually be fixed in the holy name. Now, we're not so much inclined to tell others about Krishna. Still, we may have some organizational ability. So we can also utilize that ability 
and try to organize some part of the, the Sankirtan movement. That's also appreciated. And one of some has some resources, some money, some other land or whatever else we may have, some intelligence. One can utilize that in the Sankirtan movement also. And one has no ability, no talent, no resources, still we're gonna assist those who do. And if one utilizes whatever energies or talents or inspiration or experience one has in the Sankirtan movement, then the result is that one will gradually develop what's called kataruchi. One will develop a taste be hearing and chanting about Krishna and remembering Krishna. And this means one is actually experiencing Krishna directly. Now, Prabhupada did a deity installation in 1969. And Prabhupada was explaining that this Krishna consciousness movement opens the door to the highest perfection. Still, one should not imitate. One should understand what our position is, and not try to imitate devotees on higher levels. But above everything, one should chant Hare Krishna. Then one will become purified. Purified of what? Purified of our desires to do things outside of Krishna. Eat without remembering Krishna, without offering our food to Krishna. Deal with other living entities without remembering their relationship to Krishna. If somehow or another one can add Krishna to one's life, then one's life will become purified by Krishna's association. Because Krishna is the Supreme Brahman. Without becoming Brahman, no one can approach Brahman. We can't associate with Krishna without becoming like Krishna. Just like if you want to associate with fire, you have to become like fire. Here in this material world, if we try to associate with fire, we'll become burnt. But on the sun planet, everyone there is very happily associated with fire because their bodies are made out of fire. When you see big sun, uh, sunspots, then that's probably big festivals going on there. Probably the, their, <laughs> what do they call that? Fireworks going on during the festival. Because everyone there is very comfortable. You don't have to worry about cold weather on the sun planet. So how do we become fire? Just like if you put iron into the fire, although iron is iron, then gradually becomes hotter, warmer and warmer and warmer and warmer. And eventually by leaving the, the iron in the fire, it becomes red hot will act like fire. Similarly, by chanting, by following the regular principle process, one will become warmer and warmer and warmer. And when you become red hot, then one's body becomes as good as Krishna's. So one should always keep oneself in the fire of Krishna consciousness, and then everything will be all right. Otherwise, especially Prabhupada is talking about deity worship, he said, if we don't keep ourselves in the fire of Krishna's service, then everything will become dull. That's called material. Actually, nothing is material, but it appears to us that it's material. Everything is spiritual. 
I remember one day I had that experience. I was beginning my devotional service and I was praying to Krishna. I said, every day, everything seems pretty material to me. Maybe you can show me what it means to be spiritual. And then for one time I was taking a bath and then the whole room became spiritual. As we all became spiritual energy. Everything I thought was material, then I realized it was actually spiritual. I remember one time I went on a book distribution and this was in Dallas in 1974 or 70, actually maybe earlier, 74, 72 actually. And I was the treasurer as well as the Sankirtan leader. My temple president loved to spend money, money that we didn't have. That was all right when we had a number of brahmacharis. But when the brahmacharis started to get married and disappearing, then I was the only one left. So I was responsible for paying the bills in the temple as well as collecting for them. So I was quite a bit of anxiety because I wasn't so expert in book distribution back then. But as a matter of duty, I left my comfortable desk being the treasurer and I'd go out and distribute books downtown Dallas. Now, Texas at that time was not considered a very liberal place. Matter of fact, a lot of people in Texas wound up hanging from trees because they had the wrong skin color or they were considered rather different from everyone else. So I didn't always expect to get the best receptivity in Dallas, Texas at that time. In any case, I dragged myself away from my desk, got on the bus because we didn't have a car, went downtown Dallas. And when I got there, I was very surprised because everyone looked like they came from Vaikuntha. They all looked like they were, you know, practically Vishnu Dudas. And not only was I surprised that everyone looked that way, but everyone acted that way. Every time I approached someone to offer them a back to Godhead, then they immediately accepted it and gave me a nice donation for it. So that went on for my 25 or 50 back, back to Godheads, which I distributed quite quickly. And then as soon as I was done with my back to Godheads, everything turned back into Dallas again. And everyone looked like they usually looked like. But then I realized that actually Dallas was different in reality from what I thought it was. But I was faced with the, with the unfortunate situation that I, without Krishna's mercy, I couldn't actually understand what actually Dallas is or was. So similarly, everything is spiritual. And if we utilize it in Krishna's service, then it'll re everything and everyone will be revealed to us as actually being as good as Krishna. So Prabhupada was telling us that we have to serve Krishna very nicely. And then he gave an example that Sanatana Goswami was speaking to his deity, Madan Mohan. Madan Mohan was actually for, previously in the house of one Brahmin. But this Brahmin in Vrindavan, many 500 years ago, was a very advanced devotee. And he used to treat Madan Mohan just like one of his children. He had a number of boys, children. And Madan Mohan, these, all these devotees then were so advanced that Madan Mohan 
would some, sometimes go out and play with his children. But one time, this Brahmin was having a dream, and Madan Mohan came to him in his dream and told him tomorrow, one Sanatana Goswami, one mendicant will come, and you should give me to him because you have so many children, but he's living all by himself. So the Brahmin was quite disturbed, but he couldn't neglect the order of, Sanat of Madan Mohan. Next day, Sanatana Goswami was begging <clears throat> and he asked uh, for his one chapati. And the Brahmin, remembering the order of Madan Mohan, said, my dear Sanatana Goswami, Madan Mohan came to me in a dream last night and told me I should give him to you. But Sanatana Goswami said, my dear sir, he said, I'm a mendicant. I don't have a nice place for this deity to, to, to reside in. But the Brahmin said, no, he insisted. He said, it doesn't matter what Sanatana Goswami says, you have to give him to me. I want to be with Sanatana Goswami. So Sanatana Goswami took Madan Mohan and he put him on the only place that he had, which was a tree, because Madana, Sanatana Goswami was living underneath the tree at that time. So time went on and Sanatana Goswami would beg, but at that time, the only thing he could beg were chapatis, because that's all practically they had. And chapatis did not mean a nice round chapati with a lot of ghee on it, nicely cooked for your subject. No, chapati meant a roti. It means you take some flour that you ground up from the wheat with a rock and you put it together with some water and then throw it into a fire and half of it would be cooked and half of it would be raw. And you take it out of the fire before it became completely burnt. And that was called a roti. So Sanatana Goswami was begging these rotis from the neighbors and offering them to Madan Mohan. So Madan Mohan, after some time, because he was in the house of a nice Brahmin who knew how to cook chapatis and sabji and other things. So he said, Sanatana Goswami, he said, I know, you know, the only place you have to give me to live is on this branch of this tree. I mean, I'm trying to tolerate. But every day you're just offering me these dry rotis. He said, can't you even get a little salt? So Sanatana Goswami said, my dear Madan Mohan, he said, I'm an old man. I can hardly move. Now you're asking me for some salt. Tomorrow it's going to be sweets. What can I do? Kindly accept whatever I have to give to you. So Prabhupada said that Madan Mohan, he had to eat because the bhakta was offering him. And then Prabhupada said, yeah, uh, he can't refuse whatever the bhakti is offering him. So the real thing is bhakti. And then Prabhupada said, what can you offer to Krishna? Everything belongs to Krishna. What have you got? What is your value? And what is the value of your things? It is nothing. Therefore, the real thing is bhakti. Real thing is your feeling 
Krishna, kindly take it. I have no qualifications. I am most rotten, fallen, but, and then Prabhupada started to cry. I have brought this thing for you. Please take. And then Prabhupada paused for some time and they said, this will be accepted. Don't be puffed up. Always be careful. You're dealing with Krishna. That is my request. Thank you very much. And then Prabhupada continued to cry. So we don't really have any real opulence, especially in Kali Yuga, but we have the mercy of our acharyas coming into the simple succession, telling us who Krishna is, who we are, and how we can utilize our spirit, our identity, how we can utilize the resources that Krishna has kindly given to us, and utilize in such a ways, gradually invoking our, feel, our awareness of Krishna and ultimately our feelings of love towards Krishna so that our activities become devotional. And the more our activities become devotional, then the more our life becomes successful and the more Krishna will reveal himself to us and our life will become perfect. So I'll stop there for now. Thank you. Gracias, pasiva. Any questions or comments? Maharaj, I have a question uh, that I prepared a long time ago, so it might not be so much in harmony with your lecture. Okay, my answer uh, might be in harmony with the question. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, oh. it's the question that I would like to ask for, for uh, just I would like to know the answer for this. Uh, I remember you told a story about one devotee and he had a bad expectation that he said, as soon as I go out to distribute books, somebody will punch me in the face. And eventually it actually happened and he went out and somebody punched him in the face. Yeah, the first person he met. Yeah. So I was wondering in this area of uh, Atos suggestion, what kind of, uh, that we are making for ourselves many negative uh, Atos suggestion. Like when we say uh, every step is a danger and like you're 18 years old and you start to tell yourself, Every, every step is a danger and there is a danger and but with Krishna not of course but you understand it's like so what do you, you understand my question vaguely yes but every step without Krishna consciousness is a danger whatever desire we have apart from Krishna that's dangerous because every desire that we have apart from Krishna is producing our next body. Padam, padam, yadvi, padam, natesham. But not for the devotee. Ahashitya ye parapalava plavava pankaja. Ahapadam punya yashava marari. There's danger at every step, but not for the devotee who's glorifying Krishna. If one is glorifying Krishna, then every moment, every rising and the setting of the sun, everyone's life is being lost except for the devotees glorifying the all good personality of Godhead. That devote, uh, the Vaishnavs, uh, <coughs> he reasons ill, who thinks that Vaishnavs die, for thou art living still and sound, that Vaishnavs die to live, and living spread the holy name around. Well, for a devotee, there is no, what appears to be danger, 
is simply an opportunity to make advancement in spiritual life. As a matter of fact, we know that Queen Kunti, she prayed for more and more problems. Now we're fortunate, more fortunate than Queen Kunti because we don't have to pray for problems because they're automatically coming one after another. But she was fortunate because whenever she faced problems, then those problems helped her take shelter of Krishna and remember him. So we should understand that there's danger at every step in Kali Yuga, but if that helps us take shelter of Krishna more, then those dangers become sources of liberation. But, uh, but aren't we uh, building like uh, very, very bad expectations? I mean, the material world is, uh, is not a good place, but still uh, Prabhupada said that the more you're, because they are, like he wrote to this uh, Lynn Ludwig, that they have to be negative because they are not advanced and they have to keep away from all the things that can still attract them because their attraction to Krishna is not strong. But I'm saying like, uh, aren't we a little bit negative? I mean, uh, also we- Of course we we're see negative. Not... Of course no. we're negative. You have to be negative. This is a world of birth, death, old age and disease. What's positive about that? Only when we see it in relation to Krishna, as Prabhupada writes, that without birth, death, old age and disease, that there is no impetus to make advance in spiritual life. So the only positive in this world is the opportunity to engage in the uniform of life in devotional service. Everything else is negative. And that it's supposed to be negative. Krishna has arranged it as negative. If someone is optimistic about material life, then he's fooled. If you're optimistic about growing old, becoming diseased and then dying, taking birth again, then you're a fool. So that we should be optimistic that if we take shelter of Krishna, then we can avoid this material energy and go back to the spiritual world, or at least come back again and get another opportunity to come, become perfect in Krishna consciousness. Or even if we come to this material world, if we're perfect in Krishna consciousness, we won't be part of the material world. Just like the lotus leaf, maybe on the water, but because the, the lotus leaf has some sticky substance on it, therefore when the water comes on the lotus leaf, it immediately glides off. So for one who's Krishna conscious, then the material nature doesn't affect one, but remains associated with Krishna and his devotees on the spiritual platform, in spite of whatever one goes through. Like Prahlad Maharaj, he certainly had a difficult life when he was, had to deal with his father's animosity but because he was always in Krishna consciousness, he wasn't disturbed by it. As a matter of fact, he was always in ecstasy. Anything else? Thank you. Actually, I, I, want, I don't want to steal everyone's time, but also I no, wanted to ask about elements. Let's see if someone else oh. has a question. Okay, okay. Hare Krishna Guru Maharaj. Yes. Thank you for your wonderful class. Uh, I have a question regarding understanding Krishna as a proprietor and uh, prayers. How we should pray? Because in one sense, we know the definition of pure devotional service that we should not pray for nothing material. But on the other sense, we're on a material platform. And if we want to see Krishna as a proprietor and doer of everything, we should offer him 
everything and we should pray for this thing. So how we should pray? Well, our acharyas have given us so many prayers. We find the prayers in the 11th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, which Prabhupada certainly liked. They are the prayers of, in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Prahlad Maharaj, Guru Maharaj, the four Kamaras, the whole Bhagavatam is full of prayers. So we can memorize these prayers and pray them. We don't have to pray, give me a house, give me a wife, give me a color TV, Om Jai Jagadisha Hari. We don't have to pray like that. We pray for Krishna's, we pray as a great devotees of prayers. If you see in the Nectar of Devotion, it explains about the different types of prayers, Lila Saimayi and others. That's in Nectar of Devotion. And they're offering favorable prayers, which you can look up. Desiring perfection, old stage, uh, desiring to be in a certain service for Krishna. There are different types of prayers we can offer to Krishna. And even sometimes someone is in difficulty, if they pray for the mercy of Lord Nishingadev to protect them, that's also bona fide, because this is Krishna's body, and we hope that Krishna allows us to do his devotional service. So we also pray for his protection, for this movement and for ourselves personally, that we can do our service without being faced with un unnecessary or too much disturbance. In this regard, should be worried about things connected with the preaching and, uh, for example, ISKCON or things like that? Uh, you can be a little worried, but there's not much we can do about it. I mean, Mother DeSoto was always worried about Krishna, whether Krishna was being attacked by birds or by monkeys, or whether he was playing in the mud. Mother DeSoto was always anxious that whether Krishna is eating properly. So we can have a little concern, but we shouldn't stop doing our service because we have so much concern. We should do something to meet the concern, to, to solve the problems rather than just worrying about them. All right, so I think we'll stop there. Thank you very much. Thank you for your association. We look forward to seeing you soon. Some of it about the Rindiki Jai. Jai. Jai.